I'm not a preacher, and I'm not drunk. I'm just a politician. Everybody, come out of your houses. Clarence Hillian is going to make you a super human being. Wow. The Dirty Dozen 12th episode of Crackpot Cinema. Nice. It's all happening. I can't believe we've made it this far. We're going to have to do something very special for the unlucky 13. Ooh, or, yeah. Or ironically, the 13. 13th oh, you episode. know, for unlucky 13, maybe we should watch a couple bad movies that are really shitty and bore us. <laughs> that would be a bad luck if we had to do that oh, on this podcast. Wow. Well, that, yeah, you're right. But what if it was like the bizarro world and we set out to do that and. We had no luck, and we ended up watching some decent stuff. The, the old George Costanza rule. Yeah, exactly. Exactly, the opposite. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, I'm Mike McPadden. I am the author of uh, Heavy Metal Movies and Teen Movie Hell in Chicago. Joining me in Los Angeles is... Aaron Lee, a comedy writer and producer for shows like Family Guy and Superstore. Thrilled to so, be here today, Mike. Thrilled. A comedy episode, man. I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and not just a comedy episode, but like a lot of our idols and yeah. guys who really influenced us and and who just really, you know, shit the bed in a big way <laughs> on a couple of movies. So. Well. <laughs> but this is uh, Fred Willard Forever is the name of this episode. We had planned to do something else, uh, but then uh, the legendary Mr. Fred Willard uh, left this mortal coil, leaving us a lot less funny as a result overall as a human race so we're going to review the movies cracking up from 1978 and first family written and directed by buck henry from 1980 but first aaron i want to you know so aaron is a a uh, successful hollywood comedy writer so and i believe you have come across mr willard in person oh absolutely one of the um i think maybe literally the well the, the, I was going to say the first Hollywood party I ever went to, but that's not true. The first Hollywood party I ever went to was at your invitation to a Hustler magazine party. Oh, like, that uh, was swanky. It was the 20th yes. anniversary, yes. And I met Mary Warrenov, and I was very oh, excited right. by that. So, so that, that was like my first like experience going to a, a Hollywood party. But but what really but that's a different thing that's the porn yeah. world you know but what really i look at is like the first hollywood party i ever went to was uh i was dating a woman at the time who i was i was 20 maybe 23 24 years old and i i'll try not to get too specific so this woman can't be identified but right. uh but she was and i was an, an aspiring improv comedy actor stand-up comic and she was further ahead in her career than me doing those kind of things and and i found out later it's because she was she was 15 years older than me and lying to me about her age she was 39 at the time but lying what did she, how old did she say she was 30 she said she was 30 and wow, she, that's a big slice that's Nine big years. and then after a and then after a couple of months of dating, woke me up one morning and said, we have to get married and have children right now. I've been lying about my age. I'm 39. We have to go, 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 go. And so, um, but, uh, but before she uh, gave me that information, she invited me to come along with her to a 4th of July party 
at the home of Fred and Mary Willard, his wife Mary Willard, and Mary wow. uh, taught a taught a, an acting and a comedy class that my ex was in, and they were having their big Fourth of July party at their house in the valley, and man, and I and you know Mike for our obsessions for our crackpot cinema obsessions. To walk into this party and look around and see Fred Willard holding sparklers in his red, white, and blue tie. <laughs> but by the way, and you and I have our whole thing where we call, we explain this, go back if you really want to know the etymology. We call Fred Willard a hamburger, one of the ultimate yes. hamburgers. He was literally serving hamburgers at the grill. That's the greatest. Let me uh, just quickly say, so Aaron and I, we dip into this vernacular called dirty bums. Yes. This is all about the men who uh, took care of us in the 70s, uh, especially Aaron's dad and my Uncle Bobby, uh, who were sort of post-hippie guys, good-time guys, big mustaches, loved to party, loved to laugh, and the hamburger was like their word for square. Right. Fred Willard may be... He's definitely the greatest hamburger. Definitely he is. He's the, the greatest. He's the greatest hamburger. And he, he may be he's the, the go-to hamburger. Yeah. And, and you know, my theory is that all comedy, all the best, greatest comedy, is making fun of your dad or uncle, <laughs> like Alan Partridge, <laughs> Fred Willard, all the greatest characters. That's what they are. Yeah. You, you know. But wow, um, the Simpsons. That's amazing. Yes. What, that, what a great yes, observation. It's all yeah. the greatest comedy. But but to walk into this party and see him and see Pat McCormick in the corner oh, and to man. go to the fridge to get a beer and there's a photo of Martin Mull and Fred Willard hugging on I really that but you really told me Fred, you told me Martin Mull was giving him bunny ears behind his head yes to, in the photo. <laughs> to me this really this really was going through the looking glass like I I, I am totally. in the TV I'm in the television you know yeah. or through the movie screen and um and so, and you know, he and 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 he, it was not just these old sh- showbiz people, but young people, young actors. He, he's this great host, and um, I I wrote a sketch, I co-wrote a sketch for him and Snoop Dogg on a goofy award show, at a VH1 award show, which was thrilling, which was the time-honored comedy of Fred Willard, this the straight the square white guy saying things like for shizzle and <laughs> you know you can imagine what, how hilarious that was what award show was that Do you it remember? was called yes it was called big in they would they had these vh1 awards the big awards big in 2000 big in 2002 oh, i think right, this right, was okay i remember so that, this yeah. was in the early 2000s and right. they were giving an award for snoop for shizzle and nizzle and Right. And uh, and it was that Fred Willard was a customer at the Shizzler Steakhouse. And he was <laughs> he was like, give my homeboy son, uh, hook him up. Homeboy is lacto intolerant. I I know it was all you know it was all Fred yeah. Willard shtick with yeah. Snoop popping in saying like, yeah. yeah, get the get the cheese bread too. Um, <laughs> ridiculous and and you know Funny. and and I've been thinking about this. Uh, and I actually saw him this year at a uh, at an event that uh, my my good friend Jeff Ross brought me to, and and a, a dinner kind of party thing. And Fred Willard came in, and he was, and this was you know like January, um, and he was he was frail, and he was you know he was not moving yeah. fast, and and uh, and you and I had watched America Thon maybe that day. 
for yeah, the no, for I the believe podcast. it was because you called me up freaked out beyond belief. Yeah. Yes, and I could not, I couldn't bring myself to really get into it with him. And I, and he was, you know, like I said, he was moving slow, and and right. uh, but man, it was really hard not to just nerd out on having just watched <laughs> Americathon with Fred Willard. God, but but you know, like I said, I mean, I I really do think he was an absolute comedic genius. Yeah. And and that Fourth of July story, when I really think about it, it is. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to go heavy for a second. Please. He he is America. Like his comedy, he is a walking embodiment of a National Lampoon article, like First Blowjob, or yeah. that yeah. was ridiculing straight straight culture and embodying yeah. it. But he was the affectionate, loving version of it. And, like, I was thinking he's almost more like a kink song, like Well-Respected Man or something. Like, Perfect. I'm going to point out all the goofiness and the hypocrisy, but, I, right. but I'm lo- I'm lovable. And, right. and, and I don't hate you for it. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Because I loved my dad, and I'm making, or yeah. my uncle, and I'm right. goofing on him, and I'm goofing on him right. and the other back-slapping businessmen laughing too loud that I saw. Yeah. And, uh, which made him perfect, by the way, for the show Real People, which I always remember him yeah. as most of. One of the original uh, reality shows, hey, yeah. look at America, we love you, you know. Yeah. Created by John Barber, who was the boss in uh, Pray for the Wildcats, if you remember. Oh, my God. Who was another one of these comics. And I I made this note regarding Bob Newhart, you know, who were the bridge between the beatnik era and the hippie era in terms of comedy. Yes. And and the Jack Benny era, like going from Benny to... Yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Benny, but then infused with sort of the second city. Like, I remember Jerry Stiller, R.I.P., saying, you know, we come out in a suit and tie and say Freud and everybody would crack up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was the yeah moment. that's perfect. And um, so, yeah, so Fred Willard, over 312 credits on the IMDb. Uh, busy throughout his whole life, really. Um, but, you know, we, uh, and properly honored for Best in Show and the and Spinal Tap and his work with Christopher Guest and, and Martin Mull, the absolutely brilliant Fernwood Tonight in America Tonight. Um which was a show that baffled me as a child, and then I saw it in reruns on Nick at Night, and I was like, "This is like with SCTV. This is yeah. this is amazing." Yep. And uh, what was the of all the credits you looked at? Look at the show. What was the weirdest Willard credit you noticed? I, I will tell you mine. If you, oh, if you tell have me yours one. because okay. I, I yeah. Mine was Chesty Anderson USN. Oh, yeah. I was going to suggest we, we watched. That. Have you seen <laughs> it? Have you ever seen? No. It? You know why? It's rated PG. You're kidding. I kid and you not. And it's with Ushi Degard and Diane yes. Thorne and all these sex And, and it's called stars. Chesty Anderson, U.S. Navy. Yes. And the cast is Scatman Crothers. Yes. Uh, Betty Thomas from Hill Street Blues and Timothy Carey, the guy who yells at the beginning of our podcast. Yeah, from week. The World's Greatest Sinner. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I almost suggested we watch that one. And then I wanted to get to. more. Um, I mean, we, we should watch that one maybe with, like, uh, the D.I. or something. Sure. <laughs> Which we said we were going to oh, There you go. That'll Okay, everybody. Uh, I heard <laughs> back from some of the some of the listeners say, like, they chide me for, like, I announce what we're going to do the next week and right. then we never do those movies. I love that, yeah. I know. I kind of like it, too. Yeah. But I'll say this. For, for the 4th of July, I was going to suggest the D.I. with Jack Webb and the Green Berets with John, uh, John Wayne. 
But let's do the DI and Chesty Anderson. Hell years later. yes. Hell yes. Okay, that'll be great. And then let's not do that, just to piss those yeah. people. Yeah, well, yeah, well, let's and just. And then let's tease, do something uh, completely different. Yeah, Adam Karsten, who uh, <laughs> specifically said, "I like to play along." So, tell that's us great. the movies you're actually going to watch. Yeah, so, that's great. Um, but we we had planned to do those movies this week, and um, but with Fred Willard gone, I, I wanted to pick two that really, um, that you know, I mean, kind of defined who he was for us as kids. Yeah. Um, in the in the not in the quality ways of uh, Fernwood tonight and, and other TV work that he would do, but the two like, you know, wacky. And again, we call these people filthy animals, <laughs> just, you know, yep. insane uh, off the wall post hippie comedy. Post-National so, uh, National Lampoon-infused, yeah. underground-inspired comedy. The, the, yeah. And one of those guys that bubbled up into the mainstream. Yeah. And never quite making it to the mainstream, but but certainly architects and archetypes of that genre would be the Firesign Theater with uh, Phil Proctor and Peter Bergman, who are featured prominently in Cracking Up. Oh, uh, and, and Mike, quickly... Yeah. For our rating system this week, I did not, out of respect, no shit joke. For our wow, our, so what you got? I, out of respect, just said will ard or won't ard. Just oh, I, will <laughs> ard or won't ard. It's total class. I went. What, what I, do you got? <laughs> Willard or Ben? <laughs> do you get that? Wait, Willard or what? Ben. Or the two ben. rat movies. Like, Willard is oh, awesome, but Ben sucks. <laughs> that's too confusing for me. I, let's go okay. with Willard or Water. I like okay, that now you that you explain it. it, but I was too confused. Yeah. <laughs> yes. But yes, I, now I get it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. That's so, funny. I never saw Ben, so I didn't even know it sucked. Wow. I just know wow. it was the kid version of the Killer Rat movie. Yeah, yeah. with Lee Hartcourt Montgomery and, and the Michael Jackson theme song. And, and before we get into cranking up, just real quick, can we set the table? I just want to say... Willard, uh, one of the funniest things I ever heard him say, I think, was his scandal after he got caught masturbating in a uh, adult movie theater. Or, I don't and, believe he was masturbating. Uh, not masturbating, but but got got caught there. He was yes. in there, and they yes, did a right, bust. right. Yeah. And uh, and do, did you do you remember his quote to the press? His press statement: "The only person who's ever topped the old Pee Wee Herman hurting good jokes lately." No, I don't remember. His official statement to the press was: "The movie wasn't even that good." <laughs> That's fucking brilliant. That so, really is. So, and I've always loved, I've always loved the thought of him sitting in that theater looking around in Fred Willard persona going, yeah. boy, fellas, how about this place? You look like you're having a good time over there, buddy. I'm going to tell you something. Don't get the popcorn. Uh, oh, what a movie. Like, I've always, I, that's how I hope it happened, you know? <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I believe that was the Tiki Theater. The Tiki. Yes. Yeah. Is that Ooh, still going? I don't know. Thank God I can genuinely say I don't know. <laughs> uh, I've been in the Tiki, and that is a one. Of, that is a chilling David yeah, Lynch, I, Twin Peaks kind of. Ooh, boy. I went there too. They would have like girl come, like a stripper would come yeah, out between. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah, yikes. Ooh, boy. Yeah. What was the other cave on Hollywood Boulevard? I went there too. Oh, I never went to that one. Yeah. Yeah, but, it was the same deal. Yeah. Um, didn't see Fred Willard in either of them. God, keep if only, if only, yeah, yeah, um, yeah but cracking up, cracking up. So, um, <laughs> which I was beginning <laughs> to end, cracking up, couldn't stop. What, 
when, when your mind drifted to something actually amusing, you started <laughs> cracking up from 20 years ago. Yes. So I want to say, first off, it's not to be confused with Jerry Lewis's cracking up from 1983, a.k.a. Smorgasbord. Have you yeah. ever seen that movie? I've seen the opening, the incredible opening sequence when he goes in the psychiatrist's office where yes. everything's slick and covered. And it's yeah. an amazing, genuinely hilarious physical yeah. bit of late period, Jerry. Yeah. Yes. But I've never seen the whole movie, no. I, I did. I watched the whole thing once on Comedy Central about 25 years ago. Was it as good as that opening sequence? It was amazing. It was it was astounding. I'll yeah. say that. Yeah, um, yeah. And and I remember when it came out, it played in one theater in Manhattan and got really like hostile reviews as it always did. Sure. And I wanted to go see it, but I was like, I really can't force myself to go pay to watch Cracking Up in the theater. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now so, you would. Now you would. Oh please. Yeah. And I'd be cracking up. And uh, so uh, the, the premise of this movie, Cracking Up, it's a sketch comedy film, very popular in the 70s, best known uh, examples being the Kentucky Fried Movie and the Groove Tube, uh, and Tunnel Vision, which is a product of uh, many of the same players here mm-hmm. uh, from 1976. The, um, the, poster, the poster for this movie even has a tagline, a mirthquake from the Tunnel Vision gang. <laughs> that gang. <laughs> yeah, that gang. So, um, and, and the setup is that there's been like a 9.8 Richter scale earthquake in Los Angeles, and the city is in ruins. So, uh, <laughs> Phil Proctor and Peter Bergman. Okay, okay, wait, wait, slow down, slow down, slow yeah. down. How is okay. that earthquake depicted? It's depicted by stock footage of buildings collapsing and then a shirtless, bearded guy falling down. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean that was I was I'm just gonna say this was a major will art for me and that was the moment I was like I'm in I am in okay. so um well let's talk about the animated opening title oh that song man oh, 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 oh. okay go, no go ahead I'm starting to throw up so yeah, it's the, it's like the incredible like star baby. But also the Terry Gilliam, like the like the Victorian era nude cutouts. But also the crumb, also the keep on also, trucking. Yeah, the Fritz the Cat back. An eruption of seventies grossness, yeah. filth. Yeah. And you know, and it's like, uh, and the premise is, you know, Los Angeles is buried under crumbled culture, and that's what the credits are. And the song is like, it's it's like a, a very demonic commercial jingle. <laughs> yes. And yeah. then I try to see who wrote it, and there's no credit for it. Yeah. Yeah, it I says, know. Uh, I, it didn't. Written yeah, and performed I, by Ward Jewell. I don't know who that is. No idea. So, um, and then you have, uh, so Proctor and Bergman, who are the masterminds of the Fireside Theater, the great surrealistic comedy troupe um, who, who recorded, you know, landmark albums in the early 70s. And really like cerebral albums, like oh, not completely, yeah, yeah. Like it's amazing what they turned into in the seventies here, you know. I guess just keeping up with the tone of comedy, but yes, really genuinely uh, intellectual stuff that yeah, is no, not like reflected. Actually, yeah, I mean, like Samuel Beckett kind of yes. like level of you know intriguing bizarreness. Yes, something happened. So, so this is sort of the movie. This is like the big one with like the big three. Because you get, uh, and actually I guess the big four. So 
So it's it just says written by the Ace Trucking Company, which is uh, Fred Willard's comedy troupe. Uh, the Credibility Gap, which is uh, Michael McKean, Harry Shearer, and David L. Lander. Mm-hmm. And this was so this was after Lenny and Squiggy too that mm-hmm. they, they did this. Uh, and then um, the Fireside Theater guys, and then the Graduates. Did you make it to that credit? Yes. Yeah. And I looked and those guys up. Yeah. So so who was that? Who was in the graduates? The graduates were um they were they were TV writers for the most part. And two of them um went on to write for SCTV. That would be Insana. That would be Yeah, Tony no, Insana wrote for police police squad. Okay. No, it okay. was Jim Fisher and uh Jim Stahl. Jim Stahl, for who was SCTV and Sledgehammer. I was gonna say, do you know those guys? To, not, no, I never met them. But Jim Stahl instantly recognized from Mork and Mindy, and he was all over TV in the seventies. Yeah, and then Tino and Sano. Uh, yeah, he wrote uh, for Police Squad. He wrote Tino all and Sano. That's yeah. it. I said Tony Tino. Tino. Yeah, right. He also was a writer on Welcome to the Fun Zone. Do you remember that the TV special in nineteen eighty four? Oh God, no! It was like a summer show to see. NBC was trying to like kill Saturday Night Live, so they were like testing other things out. And this was just like a, a really goofy variety show. It had John Candy, Victoria Jackson, Howie Mandel, Weird Al Yankovic, and John Carradine. Wow! And I did watch it. Yeah, and yeah, I'd it love wasn't to much fun. That. Yeah, it was really, uh, you know, as much as SNL started as a variety show for freaks, this was like, you know. The polar opposite. Sure. A freak show for variety. I don't know. No, it was just terrible. But um, so I want to say I lived in L.A. for that 1994 earthquake. You know, uh, that was. Uh, but you didn't get there till the fall of that year, I think. That's right. right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. People told me I was crazy. They told me I was crazy. Yeah. I was coming out right after O.J. and the riots and the earthquake yeah. and. Yeah, I remember. Uh, I remember my boss at the record and video store where I worked said. You're going to start doing cocaine, and you're going to turn gay. That was his <laughs> prediction. Well, <laughs> you know. You say uh, you're a little you're a little late on both, especially the second. Yeah, sure, yeah. Whatever. <laughs> Sweetie. Whatever, I'm moving. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, the earthquake was wild, because I, like, I didn't own anything, so I didn't have stuff falling off the walls. So I was just like, huh, all right, earthquakes. I was yeah. there from New York, and... Uh, yeah, they're but weird. It was bad. I did not get to see any naked girls just running down the street or being carried around on stretchers. Like yeah, a lot of that in this movie. Yes. It up. Yeah. I mean, not a lot, I suppose, but more that I was surprised by the amount of of incredibly gratuitous female nudity. Of yeah, well, just of they naked had to get women. The R rating is my yeah. guess because basically what the movie is is trunk pieces. A yes. term I've learned reading about Saturday Night Live. It's just old sketch comedy pieces. Old sketch game pieces, but yes, with the nudity that that are and the sketch the sketches are so low budget and the whole movie's like these are some of the most talented comedians of that generation in this movie shot so low budget and so poorly that it really comes off more like can I do it till I need glasses? Yeah, or, no, it's right there with that kind. It's, yeah. it's like I, I think it's actually lower than that. Yes, that I would had agree. Like, like music in it and stuff. I would agree. Yeah, but. Um, so yeah, two, it took two directors to crack us up. Chuck Staley, one and done, and then uh, Rowdy Gordon, TV writer, started on Laughing, uh, did a lot of cartoons as well as six whole episodes of Pink Lady and Jeff. Nice. And then Neil Israel was the other writer on this, and Neil Israel uh, 
wrote and directed uh, Tunnel Vision, as well as Americathon, a film yeah. we talked about on our Ritter Me This episode. Along with the producer who we also talked about, Joe Roth, who produced this, who went right. on to run 20th and Disney and founded Revolution Studios. And then just a, yeah, Americathon. And, and it, just a little interesting time, I noticed married Donna Arkoff, the daughter of Samuel oh. Arkoff. And this was an AIP film, so I'm curious, yeah. like what the timing was there. But, but yeah, a lot of lot of interesting connections with this movie that apparently barely, basically did not come out. Like, yeah, had, as far as I could tell, it didn't really come out. Yeah. Had had like one or two screenings. It is reviewed in the LA Times. I don't know if you saw that. No. Uh, they say it's a a stinker with. <laughs> With blackouts and sketches so uniformly unfunny that they are beneath description. <laughs> and wow. <laughs> and I don't think they are beneath description. I think they just didn't want to because so many of them are so fucking offensive that they yeah. you know, they yeah. couldn't have printed it in the, the newspaper. Too even then. too yeah. outrageous. Yes, even then. Even well, then. you know, and what was funny is so one of these sketches is like Fred Willard is the mater D of a restaurant, and it's like I was in my restaurant before the earthquake took it down. And then they flash back to the restaurant, and it's this whole long 10-minute sketch. And I was started watching. I was like, wait a minute. I've seen this. Yes. So I looked it up, and it was uh, the Ace Trucking Company had performed it on The Tonight Show. Yeah. And I uh, put that clip on the Gilbert Gottfried's Amazing Colossal podcast page that I manage on Facebook. So I had seen that bit before, except it was Billy Saluga, you know, Mr. Ray J. Johnson. Mm-hmm. Uh, who had not? Been, who was not in this movie? He had. He was probably at the height of. Uh, you can call me Ray. You can call me Jay Mania at this point. So he wasn't. He didn't have to do cracking up. But but that sketch, like every one of these sketches, is clearly a, a stage piece that they yes. did a thousand times. Yeah. And know every single beat of. And if anything, do too well. And in performing these in this incredibly poorly directed movie, yeah, it is it. None of it comes off funny. No, never. No, no, no. It's almost like they just... No, like when you say they know it so well, yet they just want to get through it. Yes. Like, yes. I was thinking, it's like... I remember Didi Ramon saying uh, in concert, he always looked forward to the song Glad to See You Go because he knew they were three quarters of the way through. And he could right. go off the stage. That's what it seems like. Although, I will say, I don't know about you, how you reacted to... We'll talk about it as we go... Like, but... Except for, to me, uh, Lander and McKean and Cashier, oh, who really amazing. do sell their material in this Great. shitty yeah. movie and really do. And, you know, David Lander, there's a guy who, seeing this, I was like, God, I wish he had gone further with the... Yeah. I wish he had been in Spinal Tap. I, he's really funny. And they, they their stuff really does kind of come alive. And it, I, I mean, and I always thought he and McKean were so incredible together and used cars which great yeah which both of these movies we watched this week i was like wow these are fascinating very specific examples of carter era comedy of yeah, carter mores yeah. and used cars might be the ultimate of those movies in a, in a weird way to me it really might be but all i mean of course it would because jimmy carter's in the movie yeah used yes cars. that whole yes. bit where the guy is like that that big fat guy from uh you know who always played a biker He's like, I'm watching the President of the United States. He's trying to watch the State of the Union address. So, yeah. No, you're right. This is Carter comedy. But it, Much but like I the would, sitcom Carter Country that was on yeah. at this time. But I wonder if Squiggy 
it hurt Lander too much. Like, 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 I wonder if Squiggy was such an abrasive character, more so than Lenny. Even I wonder if he just couldn't get out from under that. I'd be fascinated. Well, you know to what? Why. You know what he became? What? So I was well, I was at an L.A. Dodgers game once, and I was like, "Oh my God, it's Squiggy!" So he was an analyst. He just went into professional baseball. He was an analyst for the Dodgers. Wow! And That's he would sit, he would watch the game and just do an, an analysis, and that was, you know, I guess he was a baseball obsessive, and uh, and wow. that was his job, like from the from the eighties onward. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Because I, I thought, that's weird. Squiggy's here. All right. And then I saw something about that he worked for the Dodgers. So Yeah. yeah. God but bless him. They they come off. Nobody else does. Proctor and Bergman, God, are just uh, Oh, well, that's ridiculous. the best. They, so they're called Walter Concrete and Barbara Halters. Yes. And I kept thinking, this is so, you know, one of the, SC, uh, the SNL, one of Lorne Michaels' edicts was, we don't do Carol Burnett names. We don't do Walter Crank Crankcase. <laughs> Yeah, and right. I was like, yeah, we don't either. We do Walter Concrete. <laughs> That's right. So, oh, God. Just terrible. And um, But no, the, the bit, the who's on first bit with Shearer and Lander is amazing. It's great. When oh, they do, God, so, is The that rock great. promoter. It's amazing. It's a classic. It's great. I'd always read about that sketch. For, that I know that was a stage bit of theirs. I know oh, I mean, obviously. But... Um, so it's based on so Aaron and I are also huge Abbott and Costello fans. So and, and um, who's on first, of course, very dear to us. So the premise is that uh, Lander is like a big money guy um, who's doing who is or is he a promo guy or something? But uh, Harry Shearer is the rock manager. He's the concert promoter. So he's trying to sell this concert. He's trying to get Lander to promote this concert. And and the three bands that are playing in order are the Who or just Who, <laughs> the guess yes. Who, just Who guess. by the way, yeah. So like, like, as no one who? ever referred to them back then, Who, <laughs> as he keeps saying, <laughs> yeah. There's no the. So so it's really like Who goes on first. That's right. Who yeah. goes on first? Yes, exactly. <laughs> yes goes on last. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying to find out who goes on in the middle. Guess who? I can't guess anymore. <laughs> It's great. It is great. Yeah. And, and you know, Shearer is another person. When you talk about Newhart bridging that, Shearer is another person that yeah. from that 40s and 50s radio, he was a kid on the Jack Benny show and then, you know, became a freak. And uh, I, that's that's what's wild to me about Shearer is that, yeah, he was one of the Beverly Hills Beavers. Yeah. Uh, on, the, on the Jack Benny show. And yeah. he's in Abbott and Costello go to Mars. And uh, I remember seeing him on Letterman when I was a kid and... He had, was talking about Abbott and Costello goes to Mars, and I was laughing. I was like, "Oh, this is a good bit." He wasn't yeah. in Abbott and Costello movies. <laughs> yeah, he sure but was. He was. Yeah, and so it's uh, you know it's essentially what we have described. It is just a series of variously unfunny, very occasionally funny bits, trunk and, piece, trunk piece yeah. sketches intercut yeah. with. Um, you know, on what they would do to fill time in SCTV of here's uh, we just take one of our comedic actors and they just stand in front of a bare wall and do like a commercial parody or a character. Right. And that's where you really get some of the most jaw dropping right. offensive bits 
The, well, we uh, should also say Edie McClurg is in this from the, the Groundlings, the great Edie McClurg. God, it's great to see her so young. And she's, she's so and young. She's so and, funny. And, and shiny. Yeah, she's and, great. And she's, her, a, she's brilliant. Her, her kind of televangelist bit was not that great. But there's an amazing bit where a guy, oh, what was it called? It was called the, uh, I will say, this is one of those weeks, you know, I always take notes for the podcast. And yeah. This is a week I didn't want to take notes. So I was like, I really so just. Weird. I did the same thing. I just <laughs> yeah, want to like, enjoy this. Like, I just yeah. want to enjoy Willard. and but um, yeah. But I can't, oh, it was the improve your ego bit where a right. guy goes in to use a urinal. <laughs> Pulls his dick out, and Edie McClurg pops out of the wall as a cowgirl who compliments his dick. That was yeah. a hilarious, just really funny and a really funny, yeah, really funny Edie McClurg performance. And then uh, Stephen Stucker, who was also a member of the Groundlings, uh, who was uh, Johnny from Airplane, the sweetie in the yeah. control room. Uh, very funny uh, for doing a pitch for the Gay America Express card. Yes, as Bruce Tushy Smith. Bruce Tushy Smith. <laughs> hey, Tushy. Yes. Yeah, you get um, those bits, and then and then and then the real hard edge stuff is the end boppers and honky stoppers commercial. Yes, un- unbelievable. <laughs> I like, yeah. I and I got us. I don't, and I didn't know who the actor was there, and I was having trouble figuring it out. Yeah, uh, I couldn't figure out. So I was like, it's it was hard for me to imagine Proctor and Bergman wrote that sketch, but maybe they did. I don't know. So so yeah, I had a hard time. Uh, I my guess was that it was that guy's sketch. Like maybe, maybe he was a comic. Yeah, maybe. But yeah, but they don't they don't do a great job of identifying who all the. Uh, non-recognizable actors are oh how a lot of polish jokes a lot of polish jokes a lot of polish jokes that was hot in the 70s one of which one of which was a lander uh bit that one of the moments i really cracked up at lander it was like how funny this guy's with the sketch's closing line was only you can prevent polish people from catching on fire do you remember that (laughs) yes of course i was i mean yeah it's very funny and and I so, have to admit, I also laughed at the Guns of Plenty magazine bit that was that your was typical cool. typical like oh tough guy action stars are actually gay you, you know yeah. kind of comedy yeah. but 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 I just I did enjoy the kind of bravery of specifically name checking Eastwood and Bronson <laughs> in this and accusing them of being gay basically I really except I really remember they did that on a National Lampoon record I think it was Christopher Guest Do you remember that it was like the no. Hollywood gonorrhea Hollywood hot tub gonorrhea <laughs> society that's, and it was yeah, like it was funny. like I'm Clint Eastwood. I'm Charles Bronson. Oh yes, that's right. Yeah. I do remember that. I, yeah. I, I'm 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 conflating that. I don't know that that's the exact title, but it yeah. was something that killed me as a kid when I heard it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, and Fred Willard, he just he does uh, you know Ace Trucking Company bits, and oh, I want to say so we almost watched the movie Imps from 1983, released in 2009, and it was a thousand times below the level of cracking up so I mm-hmm. spared my partner Aaron Lee but I'll say David Lander and Michael McKean play Gestapo interrogators in one bit oh my god oh that's yeah. great well now I gotta watch this you gotta watch it I mean you do and there's actually a lot more nudity in that one than in uh, cracking up so you know, know how to get asses in seats when you when you talk about the the guess who who yes Abbott yeah. Costello bit the Ace Trucking Company stuff really does 
you really do see how they came the bit where a guy comes in for a job interview and Fred Willard yeah. is twitching the whole time and then everybody who comes in is also yeah. twitching and like you do see it, it is a fascinating thing how much of this hippie comedy was just coming out of kind of like vaudeville and stuff. vaudeville absolutely and yeah. uh, old vaudeville bits and kind of Marx Brothers and yeah. and um and if you the Mark Marin reposted his Fred Willard interview this week, and it's great. Oh, that's great. And and Fred Willard talks about like the first sketch he performed with that group was, uh, he's a, a guy walking around. He comes up to a park bench and he's got a a watch, a wristwatch on his ankle, and it's crazy because he's looking at. And the other guy says, "No, no, that's not the right time. I'll tell you what time it is." Lifts his pant leg and he's got a watch on his ankle. <laughs> so it was all coming out of very. Uh, it's funny how that surreal, cerebral fire sign theater thing merged with just vaudeville bits to make to make the comedy that made us throw up and laugh. <laughs> to make us, yeah. Yes, basically, us. to <laughs> forge our subconscious, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, Fee Waybill of the Tubes, uh, weird cameo as Professor Seedy, a scientist. Didn't know it was him until uh, the credits came up, really. Yeah, really and then weird. there's two uh, tube songs in it, Proud to be an American and White Punks on Dope. So, yeah. Uh, they milked that. Are you a Tubes? I was, I'm, uh, I'm a fairly intense Tubes fan. I no. I really like the Tubes. No, I'm not. And, and I mean, they, they have great songs, and they had songs yeah. then that I liked, and I knew, yeah. I and I, I was obsessed with Devo, and I loved right, bands right. back then that had crazy stage shows and props, and yeah. but something... At that age, just uh, like I said, individual songs talk to you later. That rocked. Oh, White punks on dope that's rock. Like the pop stuff is great, right? Yeah. And but but I would always go like I'm gonna listen to a Tubes record, and I yeah. like couldn't make it through it. But I would be happy to revisit their uh, their oeuvre. You know what it is? Is it's like they got they're, they're a couple of steps closer to Zappa than they are to punk. That makes and sense. And you have to like adjust uh, adjust your expectations there. Right. Yeah, that makes total so. sense. Um, but he is—he is not funny in this movie. That's as no. Doctor C, Professor CD. That's it, Professor CD. Professor CD. But if you ever see him in uh, *Ladies and Gentlemen of Fabulous Stains*, he's phenomenal. No kidding. He plays Lou Corpse, the like burnout heavy metal frontman of the Metal Corpse. He's amazing. He's great. I just—I just can't imagine why he didn't come across well in this snuff film level comedy <laughs> made for he's three dollars in, a in a an wig. alley. Yes. <laughs> yeah. In a hole with a wig speaking in, like, you know, the cartoon Sigmund Freud accent. Yes. Oh, boy. Not knowing what he was saying. He also has, like, the last scene, and I didn't understand how the movie ended. The oceans rose? What happened? Yes, I, I, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there's a good bit, the I live in Pasadena, and there's a good bit where they say, oh, let's check yeah. in on the Pasadena Rose Parade, and it's everybody in horribly injured limping along like and saying like well you have to it's not quite as spectacular this year and it really did bum me out like huh that's what i'm living that's through sick. right now the yeah. <laughs> yeah currently living through the era of vc uh huh, it's not going to be quite as good this year because of the horrible tra- <laughs> so having been to the rose parade in pasadena which i could walk to from my house i was super bummed out seeing that gag like yeah that's a good gag yeah. and now i'm depressed and that is a weirdly funny bit, and I was trying to figure like really they, is. They don't really do anything, but it's just it just works. No, it's just There's a good a lot bit. Of naked girls in there too, so. and they don't milk it for ten yeah. minutes. It's just well, a thirty yeah. second sight gag. That's yeah. important. Yes. So, um, 
So I'm going to go with, uh, I'm going to, I, I, you know, this is not a good film. It's actually a terrible film, but I, I certainly enjoyed it. So I will give it a Will Ard. I will give it a big Will Ard. I, I yeah. watched it beginning to end. I did not fall asleep. I, uh, I mean, I, I can't yeah. think of higher praise for a movie. For, it went for by me. quick too. It really, it's only like, it's, yeah. it's barely over an hour by the way. So, yeah, right. But right. just one, one delightful face to see after another. No, that's really it, and it's it's free right now. On if you have Amazon Prime, you can yep. you can uh, watch it. So yes. I want to just say before we move on, um, cracking up is at the center of a sort of Venn diagram of episode proposals. When I was for, we were first talking about doing this show, so and this was like back when we thought we could do like four or five movies per episode. Oh, God, <laughs> we were maniacs. So I'll just this is a lot of movie titles. So. This is from Mike Kenny, who compiles our lists on Letterboxd. <laughs> Get listing. Close. Thank you, Mike. That's an amazing job you do every week. No Thank kidding. You. Yeah, it's awesome. He's heroic. Um, Kentucky Fried Failures. So this is going to be the other sketch comedies of the movie. So Miss Nymphette Zappin from 1970, Herschel Gordon Lewis production. Video Vixens with uh, Rainbow Smith, The Boob Tube. Uh, American Raspberry with um, Joe Piscopo, which I have seen. American Tickler, which is a Chuck Vincent film. Or maybe I have them reversed. Uh, cracking up. Loose Shoes with Bill Murray, which I oh, God, think is yeah. also on... Um, I think that's I, also I think on it is on Prime. Prime, yeah. I think so. That's Adequate from 1989, which I've never seen. Uh, but I remember yeah. they filmed it. Uh, Tony Randall was in it. But anyway... Uh, the underground comedy movie from 1999. Uh, uh, yeah, right. <laughs> With Vince Offer, who, when that opened in New York, I was going to a movie theater, and he was outside of the theater with a laptop. And he's kind of like Rich Hall. He's the Slap Chop guy. Yeah. On uh, the Slap Chop TV commercials for the kitchen device. And he was just showing the trailer, and he just kept going, yeah, it's a midnight movie, cult movie. Cult it, movie, it, midnight movie. Go see I it. I can't imagine it had any cult, but it did play for months at the Sunset Five Theater at midnight yeah. in Los Angeles. Yeah. It really was inescapable. Yeah, it ran for a long time. Yeah, and um, have you? I've I have seen it. Have you? Yeah, I think I did. I don't. Yeah. I don't remember any of it. I don't remember any. No, of it. I think I, I, I may have even it seen it there with the climactic parody of "I Love L.A." called "I Hate L.A." <laughs> <laughs> Uh, the Onion movie from 2008. Right. And uh, boy, that's got a that's got a crazy story behind it. Yeah. Yeah. And inappropriate comedy, also from underground comedy movie auteur Vince Offer from 2013, which has wow. like Lindsay Lohan in it. That's right. I remember that. Yep. Okay, so that was one episode I proposed. Another one was the Dirty Jokes on You. So this is the idea that these movies were dirty jokes come to life. Mm -hmm. Sex in the Comics from 1973, the absolutely chilling, horrifying paper mache mask representation of like Migs and Jaggy, uh, Jigs and Maggie, Andy and Cap, Offer and Annie. yeah, Andy yeah. Cap, and it's um, what's his name? Why am I not gone with the Pope? Why am I blanking? Duke Mitchell. Oh, Duke Mitchell. Duke yeah. Mitchell is the mastermind. Yeah, there's a, you can get that on DVD, I think, from uh, Vinegar Syndrome. Don't. If you don't stop it, you'll go. <laughs> don't. <laughs> Uh, but do get something from Vinegar Syndrome. Um, of course, of course. If you don't no, stop it, you'll go blind from 1975. K 
Can I do it till I need glasses from 77? Do you remember the theme song? Can I do it till I need glasses? Need glasses. Can I stroke my poke? Can I po- twiddle my fiddly dee? That's right. <laughs> so, yeah, uh, yes, I remember the theme song. Yes. I remember us watching that, like being excited to watch it in LA. <laughs> well, I mean, it was it was in Jamestown, New York when I was a kid. It was at the drive-in a lot. Both oh, of those. Oh, shit. Wow. And, and you'd see, it really, I always remember seeing the ad in the paper and going, what does that mean? Can I do it till I wear glasses? I knew it was a dirty joke. Yeah. And that's yeah. the one, and is it that, or if you don't stop, you'll go blind, that they said, starring Robin Williams. I believe it's Can I Do It Till I Need Glasses. So I would see that ad as a kid, like, there's this dirty movie with Robin Williams, and it's comedy. <laughs> like, I, yeah, it was, yeah, I was so fascinated. Man, by it. the first time I heard about it was, like, I went to, like, a, I don't know if it was Video Shop, but one of those, like, like 1979, 1980 video stores yeah. that was so unbelievable, like, you couldn't believe the world was taking this turn. And I'd always oh, God, grab yeah. any pamphlets they had, and that was always in those early video releases. Yeah, right. And yeah. then jokes jokes my folks never told me, which I'm not familiar with at all. No. Mm-mm. All right, and then finally, Firesign Movie Theater. So you get Z- <laughs> Zachariah, the electric western, with, uh, oh, who is it? I can't remember. Uh, Dick Van Patten is in that movie. Okay. Jesus. One of the great hamburgers ever. Oh, yeah. Uh, Tunnel Vision, of course. America Thon. Right. Listen Did to that? us talk about that on Ritter Me This. Jamin Forever, the night flight perennial. Oh, yeah. Nick Danger in the Case of the Missing Yoke. And Hot Shorts from 1985. Hot Shorts. Wow. I don't know Hot Shorts. But what was interesting, when I was doing some research on midnight movies, and I guess this is what Hot Shorts is. They were always in New York. It would say like Firesign Theater Film Festival, and it was probably just these shorts they made. Then they right. were assembled into probably a VHS tape in '85. Yeah, right. That makes sense. Yeah, I remember Nick Danger always being in the video store. And me and and I was a fan of the Firesign Theater, and I was just like I, I I can't look at this. <laughs> I just can't. Did you ever see it's, that? No, 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 yeah. never. It is it is funny that cracking up was basically a dry run for Americathon. Like that Americathon oh, yeah. is the that cracking up is the THX eleven thirty eight. Americathon yes. is the Star right. Wars, you know. Yeah. Completely, yes. So all right, so let's move on to uh nineteen eighty, the first family. Uh written and directed by Buck Henry, the uh you know, brilliant literary uh you know yeah, sort of intellectual comedian who uh Co-created Get Smart, uh, co-wrote uh, The Graduate, Catch-22, the screenplay, and uh, To Die For with Nicole Kidman. And was, in the first five years of Saturday Night Live, traditionally the host of the last episode of the, th- of the season. Mm-hmm. Where he created beloved characters such as Uncle Roy, the child molester. The child molester. The funny child molester. <laughs> <laughs> Who, tur- who, actually, turned the, who turned the which, camera and broke the fourth wall and said, there's more of us out there than you think. So, I remember that was the last appearance of Uncle Roy. Yep. Just, um, I mean, but Henry, I remember watching that with my hippie uncles and aunts who were complete, you know, SNL freaks. Yeah. And I just remember my Uncle Billy, who was the wildest of all my relatives, just frowning and saying, that's not funny. <laughs> yeah. yeah he, was, he was right. He was yeah, right. He was. He was. Um, so the title for his family, we should point out, you know, we talked about 
that middle ground between the beat era and the hippie era. Uh, Vaughn Meter's 1962 first family album, where Vaughn Meter was, uh, you know, was was famous for doing the imitation of John F. Kennedy, and is the famous story. I mean, whether it's true or not, that after JFK was assassinated, Lenny Bruce came on stage and there was silence for a moment, and then he just said, "Wow, Vaughn Meter is fucked." Yeah, I believe it. I believe that yeah. story. Uh, it's a good line. Funny. I can yeah, see it's that. A great yeah, line. yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, it, but it's funny you talking about this movie. I didn't, to be honest with you, I didn't even think about Von Meter in reviewing this. And but I did think this movie feels really out of time. It feels really disconnected to 1980 comedy, and it utterly. feels like late 60s skidoo hippie utterly. presidents analyst. Uh, it comedy. almost looks like a Disney movie. Which was weird. I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. That but was it, a note I took, but I couldn't agree more. It seems completely out of time. And I'm glad you specifically named out late sixties. Yes. It does not seem like a seventies film. No, no, it's it's and I think it's because that was Buck Henry's era. That was graduate and get smart, and that was him at his peak. And I think this yeah. is I think this is some very undiluted Buck Henry here. Yeah, know, all over the yeah. place. And that's why it feels like one of those movies right down to Austin Pendleton running around, of course, Very when much, I say yeah. Skidoo, you know, who's one yeah. of the ultimate guys like that for me, of that of that era of movies. What kind of hamburger is Austin Pendleton? Is he a turkey? What is I think he's a nerd. I think he's, he's a nerd. nerd. And you right. know what's he's funny? And I've always loved him. And I always loved yeah. him. And I loved him because my dad, one day out of the blue, I don't know what we were watching. I don't even know if it was something with him in it, but just out of the blue said, I like Austin Pendleton. <laughs> And I was like, <laughs> right. I was like, you know what? I do too. I like right. him too. But he's one of he's one of the first as a kid, one of the first kind of oh that guy character actors sure. like that that I really started looking for, or because of my dad going like, yeah, my dad thinks Austin Pendleton's cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah, he's great. So, um, and then uh, I should note in 1981, Rich Little put out <laughs> as Ronald Reagan the first family rides again. Oh God. Which was not a crucial part of anybody's comedy scene, except no. it does feature, at least on the cover, because I've never actually heard it, Michael Richards as uh, Ron Reagan Jr. in a tutu. <laughs> I had uh, we had an old answering machine with a cassette tape of Rich Little saying like, "Well, it's me, Reagan. They're not home right now." <laughs> uh, hey, partner, no one's home right now. I. Hey, sweetheart, here's looking at you, kid. Leave a message. <laughs> I, I had one of Rod Steiger going, Ah, oh, my little chickadee. <laughs> oh, God, I wish. <laughs> oh, that'd be so good. Um, So, uh, the movie stars... I mean, this is a, this is an incredible lineup of comedic brilliance. The cast is amazing. And, and, and you know, and you think, like, yeah, somebody like Buck Henry, who was very... This veteran and very respected... Yeah. Um, uh, boy, did, could he pull together an amazing cast. Yeah. So, I mean, you have... Well, I, what I thought was interesting is first build, first name on the screen is Gilda Radner. Yeah. Top build at the top of the screen was Bob Newhart, and then on the lower right is Madeline Kahn. Uh, but then from there you have, uh, you know, Fred Willard, Harvey Corman, Richard Benjamin, Benjamin, Austin Pendleton, you said Julius Harris, who you and I just saw in Hollywood uh, Vice Squad for uh -huh. another project that we'll reveal soon. Mm -hmm. And uh, Rip Torn as uh, General D.E. What's his name? G.E. Dumpston. 
Mm-hmm. And I was thinking, you know, in uh, Michael Moore's Canadian Bacon, not a film I've seen, but I just remember this because the name was so stupid. He played another, like, crackpot general called General Dick Panzer. <laughs> no kidding. Yeah. And So, yeah, again, not in keeping with, again, the, the Walter Crank don't, case. Right. Don't do it. This movie really indulges. And also as the vice president, uh, Bob Dishy, a guy who was on TV a lot. kind of All the time. Who... And was in, I just not long ago saw a movie with him. I don't know, I ordered it on DVD, The Last Married Couple in America. Oh, I with, want to see that so bad. It's we a must-see. It's a must-see with Natalie okay, Wood I'm and Okay, I'm going to order Siegel. it today. And he's in that, and he's in The Big Bus, which I was always fascinated by as kind All of right, another kind well, of broad do, let's comedy. let's do a Bob Dishy edition. Oh, that's good. Big Bus and Last Married Couple would be great. Big yeah. Bus I snuck into for like, I, I, in my head it was like a half hour. I'm sure it was five minutes. While I was waiting for another movie when I was like yeah. eight years old. Yeah. I always associate that with Cold Turkey. That, like, those were two oh, comedies yeah, I yeah. saw at the same time. I think on the CBS Late Movie, actually. both For sure. Yeah. yeah. Cold Turkey looks so good, and it's like a bummer. Ah, God, I haven't seen it in years. Uh, I saw it again not long ago. Yeah, Carl Reiner. Um, Norman Lear directed it. Oh, wow. But yeah. Dick Van Dyke is in it. I mean, it's again, it's one of these, like, you know, put together your team. Assemble your Magnificent Seven. <laughs> The, and and the results so rarely work. And this movie could not be a lineup of people like Force Family, a lineup of people like that. I just brilliant, brilliant actors who all who are uniquely brilliant in different ways. And this movie is like a stew with a bunch of ingredients yeah. that should not be together. Right. <laughs> you know, the yeah. finest steak, the the richest chocolate, the all of it together in this movie <laughs> yeah, right. is yeah. just a fucking mess. You know. Yeah. But fascinating. Yeah. But fascinating yeah. because it's almost like a it's almost like a a fun video game like the the old Street Fighter versus Marvel comic characters games like like what would Fred Willard and Rip Torn be like together? Let's see. <laughs> Go, put them but, on. But then they kind of have nothing to do be, because they're because Rip Torn is um, an insane person who's yeah. lost in every moment that he's on yeah. screen, and yeah. Fred Willard is the ultimate standing outside lovably yeah. you know cocking an eyebrow like there's no right. way they can connect in, in a no. performance no. and it would take this incredibly skilled director which buck henry boy <laughs> is he not, not. Yes. no he's no, no he sure isn't i i but, did kind of want to watch re rewatch heaven can wait though which he directed which i did love as a kid and i, haven't I seen certainly it as did too adult. i haven't seen it since i was a kid but it made me wonder was it as badly directed as this because boy all the comedy like is just yeah it's oh, very man there really are good gags, but it's not well-directed. You see, you really, this movie really makes you appreciate Mel Brooks. Like, that's sure. the guy who could do this. That's the guy who knew exactly how to direct comedy and could pull all these kind of people together in yeah. one movie and make it work. That was the feeling I had, a movie we do have to get to at some point, Rabbit Test. Oh, I was like, couldn't wow. she have just called Mel Brooks? Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah, and it would have worked. Yep. But, uh... You know, I don't think this could have worked on any level. I was thinking, like, this this might be, like, a 1980 National Lampoon story that would be okay. Okay, here's Especially my... Especially with the going to Africa stuff. Oh, God. Well, yeah. Here, here's my... Th- and, by the way, a deep dive into Buck Henry's troubled subconscious, <laughs> the Africa yes. stuff. Like, yes. B- but... But here's here's my theory for how it could have worked. It, it, uh, okay, the, my theory is the 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 problem is 
you can't it's a problem with president comedies in general it's the most powerful person in the world and bob newhart's whole thing is being put upon and is standing there deadpan while someone some weirdo is being weird in front of him and he does the like i said new version of jack benny thing of in his stammering discomfort like we project all that on and that doesn't work as a president and and there, I don't think there are any good president comedies. I was trying to think of one. No. I was thinking like Head of State with Chris Rock, and oh my there, god, there, there, there are. I saw none. that in the theater. I was me I, too. But uh, but the only Dan Aykroyd and Jim Garner, my fellow Americans. Yes, the only way the only way I was thinking it could have possibly worked was if Fred Willard had been the president because then right. he'd be this lovable dope like then it's right. the com- and oh. then Newhart could have reacted to right his now. idiocy uh, I want to recall a little film called Americathon that we've mentioned 20 times so far <laughs> Absolutely yes There you go yeah Well and that was and a good I've, president And I found out Willard did play the president in one of the segments of uh I forgot this. National Lampoon goes to the movies. Movie man. Yeah, which we have to get to. Yeah, so he, all about that. So yeah. he actually is the president in there. But but I think that dynamic could have helped this. But instead, yeah, we don't we don't get that. And and it's odd because Newhart does have to play a little against type. He does not seem comfortable. No. You know, he has to dress people down once in a while. Um and it just it doesn't work. No, it's it's just like nothing happens. Uh they go to Africa. Um, so what it is, is the, I don't even remember. It was Upper Gorm was the name of the island yes. off the coast of Africa. And Julius Harris, who was from Hollywood Vice Squad, is the uh, ambassador. And it's, you know, this very uh, burlesque kind of uh, jokey racism stuff. And yes. None of which is funny. None of no. which is funny. No. But like, is it even offensive? It's just like, what am I looking at here? It, it gets more offensive as it goes on, and then it ends on, uh, <laughs> yes, and then it, well, I mean, no spoilers, Mike. I don't, I don't no, want to spoil it, because nobody's it, watching. It ends on the image of giant watermelons on the White House lawn. On the White lawn. House lawn, yeah. Gilda yeah. Radner as the white virgin who's been sacrificed to a, a giant peanut, black penis African totem, looking at the totem and it getting an erection in front of her as she like yeah. licks her lips or winks or whatever it is, and, yeah. and that's the final image. So it, so yes, it, as it goes along, it does get more into the same old cuck uh, yeah. with, with Newhart as her dad going like, oh, I'm uncomfortable right now. And yeah. and it was I was like, it was amazing to me like to be reminded like, yeah, this shit just never changes, man. It's the same, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's the same sweaty issues over and over yeah. and over again. We'll never get out of it. Well, but in your describing that, that sounds so funny to me. Yeah, like and somehow said, it's this is what happens, and it's right. so unfunny on the screen. Yes, I, and I'm telling you, that's that's unfortunately Henry. I don't think was. Yeah, I don't think he was up yeah. to this. Yeah. Because it's such an outrageous list of ingredients. Uh, Gilda Radner right. is fucking horrible in this. Um, you know, I, I actually would disagree with you there. I think really? she's. I think she's given horrible material. That's what I mean. She's, there's Don't, nothing she can do. You're right. I actually think she did kind of rise above it, and I. I feel like I saw what she did, and it's an. It's an atypical Gilda Radner performance, but she's given dumb sexist bits. She has yeah. to do the old like I'm gonna suck a carrot at, right. at the say, fancy she beat, dinner uh, like Phoebe a blowjob. Yes, she beat Phoebe Cates by two years in the first major motion picture carrot fellatio. 
And the way she deals with it is she reminded me of more like somebody modern like Maria Bamford or she okay. goes yeah. she goes yeah. full on weird and she's twitchy and and that's yeah. not her. She could have played this very yeah. cute and straightforward but yeah. she you can sense she's like I don't like this material so I'm going to subvert it with weirdness which I which was an interesting thing to watch. All right, I, I appreciate that take. I can see that. Uh, but, I just yeah. thought that the, the premise, so the idea is that she's 28 years old and forced to remain a virgin by her parents for political reasons. So she's a complete nymphomaniac who does stuff like, you know, throws bed sheets out the window or, or as a rope and climbs down and just, you know, grabs guys' dicks whenever she can. And then, yes, on the African island of Upper Gorm, she is sacrificed to a statue with a giant penis. And I think, I think the only reason this movie is rated R is because of that big penis. I think you're right. Yeah. There's not a lot of language in it, even. No, there's nothing. And, uh, yeah. you know, I was, I was hoping some of the ladies from Cracking Up would come running through nope. the Oval Office. But nope. no go. Um, and, yeah, and, uh, you know, it just, and, and it all leads to giant vegetables. <laughs> yes. And I'm like, was, was, was Buck Again. Cry? Was he really laughing when he wrote this? Again, so late 60s, much more late 60s humor, you, you know what I mean, than yeah. 1980. Than 1980. Although there is interesting Carter stuff in here. The, um, the, the, the upper gorm, the African country, they demand, they demand honkies oh, be held was, hostage. Okay, yeah. That was a good, and, that was an edgy little bit there, yeah. And, and I thought it was interesting, I don't know, it just kind of like, I always think of that era growing up as a kid as like when the Iran, this was clearly written when the Iran hostage thing was taking place. Yeah. And I always thought people were like, yeah, get in there, kick 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 Iran's ass, you know, El Ayatollah Asahola t-shirts yeah, that I saw. Yeah. So, but it's funny that the comedy in here is, the joke is basically everybody just rolling their eyes going... Jesus Christ, just do what the hostage takers want. That, that's like kind of a recurring take, <laughs> which I was like, oh, was that more the sentiment back then than than I knew as a, oh, as a not, kid not, growing not up? Not in my experience with everybody walking Mine around. either. Yeah. Bomb, 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 Iran. Right. <laughs> bomb, bomb, bomb. Yes, but, but it's interesting that a lot of the comedy is predicated on that in here. Yeah. But that could just be, you know. Henry, <laughs> the 1980 version of Hollywood elites. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, but but and and that is a funny thing. Like I think again, coming during the Carter era, more of the humor here is satir. What would we today would be saying? Oh, you're satirizing political correctness. Very and much liberal, yeah. liberal. Mores. Very much. Yeah. yeah. You know, I was surprised yeah. you even have Madeline Kahn give the talking about black employees at the White House give yeah. the clean and articulate, so well mannered speech. Like which was which was. I didn't laugh, but it was good. It was no, funny. but yeah. but it was interesting. Yeah. Like to yeah. again of how this stuff never stops coming around. Like I always think of that as an Obama era. Like we're pointing out the hypocrisy there, yeah. and this was in 1980. You know, right? Um. So yeah. Uh. And speaking of 1980, I was thinking about that. So it's it's like a major turning point for a lot of culture. A lot of I, to, in my mind, like the 70s goes on to 1982 to the end of 82. Sure. Um, in terms of movies and music and stuff. But uh, 19, I was thinking about this. You have uh, Uncle Ronnie Rambozo, as uh, the filthy animals called him, mm -hmm. got elected. Uh, many of whom voted for him. 
Uh-huh, totally. The OG Saturday Night Live cast left, which was a just, a, you know, a, a, a watershed moment in, in filthy animalism and, and comedy. Um, and then Caddyshack came out, but Airplane, I always think about Airplane blowing Doug Kenny's mind, saying, you know, fuck, they did it. Oh, yeah. Airplane. Yeah, right. And Airplane being tied in with these guys. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So it's interesting. You say this really is. It's 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 neither Carter nor Reagan. It's just dumb. I mean, it's not satire. It's not slapstick. It's like you said. I think it's unfettered Buck Henry. It really is. And it he needs really fettering. Reminding yes, Candy. That's another movie that comes to mind. Oh this wow! Type of, yeah. You know what I mean? Perfect. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Really. Yes. Really. Buck Except Henry Candy is like there's stuff going on and it's weird and this is just so dull. And 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 you know I'll, I'll tell you another. Uh, I'll, well, I'll tell you the people I thought came off well in this movie. Richard Benjamin. Good. Always, yes. always like so light and doesn't give yeah. a fuck. And and this is a quick little side note for the Fred Willard thing. I was googling cracking up. And weirdly, there's an actor, James Urbaniak. Do you know who he is? He's on no. the show. You'd recognize him in a second if you saw him. He's in a lot of modern comedy shows like Review with Andrew Daly. He okay, plays sure, his evil sure. boss. Yeah. He plays his evil perspective boss. The show Difficult People on Hulu. He's the kind of ineffectual boyfriend. He's very much the modern Richard Benjamin, I always think of. Sure. And I saw him tweeting, like, people will be cracking up at Fred Willard. Until the end of time, <laughs> so I, I loved seeing the passing of the torch of one of these actors. Wow. Yeah, you know, yeah. Um, but but Richard Benjamin always is like so light and doesn't give a fuck, no matter how bad the movie is. He is and a he, great pre- presence on screen, and he has the, he has that great line at the con- press conference that is so genuinely like our era now of them. They had to hide why they canceled the press conference, and he comes out and he announces this morning's briefing was not canceled; it was simply not held. Yeah. Wait, wait, so, like, so yes, there is like, and I was like, well, that see, there's funny Richard Benjamin delivering a funny yeah. line, and yeah, Har- Harvey Corman comes off well with bad material, just milking it like wringing every ounce of comedy he can get out of it. I mean, you know? he was, he's, Harvey was so great. Like I, that's he's the big discovery of this podcast for me is yeah, like for me too. realizing realizing he was a fucking genius yeah. and uh, I mean, yeah amazing just, in the movies I mean we think of him as Carol Burnett and that's funny or whatever when we were kids but I mean he's so incredible in Americathon and then of course in Blazing Saddles and all the you know he's just so good he goes into every scene and every moment like knowing there's no one who in a better way said here is the game of the scene here is what the comedy is of this little sketch moment here and and i will effortlessly present it i even saw the new york times review of first family said it said mr corman is nothing less than one of the greatest sketch actors in the english speaking (laughs) world i couldn't find that review i only found one line from it that it, it was a bad review it was a bad review it was because, well, I mean, it's Vincent Cambia. This is the quote I had. First Family has sequences that are side-splittingly funny, others that are sublimely cheerful, and still others that, like the movie itself, simply don't know how to end. Yes. I mean, yeah, I think he was just correctly yeah. identifying it as a mess. And apparently, did you read this, that the ending was yeah. reshot? So they, shot. the what reshoot was the statue getting the boner. I don't know. I'd yeah. love to know. I'd love to know. Due to overwhelming, overwhelmingly negative audience reaction. 
that's what could it have been a more offensive joke than that? Like, <laughs> or not offensive Jesus. enough? They I are not offi- yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, in- the thing is, by the time any audience is at the end of First Family, they're in a oh, bad boy. mood. They're not going to give you. That's the truth. Back. That's the truth. So yeah. oh, we should also know some other notes here. The puppet gag from the poster is literally in the movie. So the, the poster, the, man- the mannequin thing. Yeah, yeah. That it, the right. and I saw this movie on cable numerous times as a kid, and that is literally the only gag I remembered going in. I like the entire rest of the movie was a blur for me, but I remember the mannequin hanging out the limo. So the poster is you know a, a sort of cartoony painting of the cast in the presidential limousine, and Bob Newhart is sitting and working a mannequin like a has like a puppet control waving to the public, and that is in the movie it goes on way too long and somebody throws a tomato at him knocks his head off and then they show people reacting for way too long <laughs> yeah yeah that that and, was the uh, big that was the big gag that was it yeah yeah so and Willard given very little to do nothing like just has, unfortunately yeah. not a lot to do in this you no know? no he just he doesn't even doesn't seem like he has a lot of lines yeah you know and again, fun- his he had the funny name. His name was Feebleman. Feebleman, yeah. You know what's funny about comedy, though? Remember, we always talk about the Siskel rule of would a documentary of these people eating yeah. lunch be more interesting? Yeah. When I was watching this, though, there is something about comedy that subverts that sometimes. Because there was a scene of Richard Benjamin and Fred Willard on a plane, a bad set of a plane together. <laughs> and and you're watching these two very talented guys trying to make a scene work and they can't. And that's almost more interesting to me than anything else. You know, like I agree, yeah. to watch them struggle with it and it just can't happen because it's not a good script. And there's nothing more fascinating. You get plenty of that in this movie. Yes. I will say, when this came out, when I was a kid, I was 11 years old, and, you know, these were people I worshipped. Yeah. And I just knew, like, oh, this is going to suck. And I was thinking about, like, all like all my comedy heroes that would just, you'd see the commercial for some movie, and you'd be like, that's going to be terrible. It's going to be the worst. Yeah. And I yeah, especially, I was thinking, of like, and especially if it's the all-star cast, like Yellowbeard. Oh, yes. Totally. Or the one that really bummed me out was Going Berserk. Oh my God! One of the biggest downers ever. So, so yeah. looking forward to it. The SCTV yeah. guys, great yeah. title. And my one of my favorite stories I've told you, directed by David Brenner, who no David, uh, 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 not Brenner. Um, why am I blanking? Wait, not Steinberg. Steinberg, Steinberg, Steinberg. David Steinberg. David Steinberg. Yeah, yes, yeah, yeah. thank not you. Brenner, who, Steinberg, yeah. Who I've told you this story. I saw him on the Tonight Show talking about it, saying, like, I'm making a movie with John Candy and Eugene Levy. The title is Numb Nuts. <laughs> and, like, how much do you wish that movie had come out as Numb Nuts? That would have been. God. Well, that's what you feel like, because uh, you feel like you've been kicked in the nuts the entire, like, yeah. 70 minutes you oh, sit through boy. that thing. Oh, it's But bad. then I was thinking, like, it was, you know, Candy who's one of my favorite entities that has ever existed. So many of his movies, you could see him, you're like, ah, fuck, man. Totally. Make a decent yeah. movie, please. Yes. Very much so. God, man. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. Gotta recommend that Wild and Crazy Guys book, by the way. Which oh, yeah, just please. Finished. Yeah. And uh, the, just a great history of 80s comedy that, some great John Candy's anecdotes in it and stories. He he gets a lot of attention in the book, but um, 
But the but really made me think, especially seeing these movies made this year, 1980, the idea that Animal House really did launch blockbuster comedy. Like yeah. these these were the last remains of kind of weirdo 60s comedy and then it did turn into comedy as this much bigger louder block like a lot in the yeah. reagan era of course block right. yeah, yeah blockbuster yeah, with thing. a huge action ending yes yeah, yeah right yeah, culminating in, to like you know beverly hills cop and ghostbusters Ghostbusters. yes exactly yeah so so i mean it's like so i have to admit for all the complaining we're doing about this movie it's a will art for me because uh, yeah. because I just love watching this kind of stuff, and I gotta say, Fred Willard very handsome in this. That, that uh, what <laughs> ha- damn good looking man, very handsome yeah. man. I'll give it a Willard too. I recommend watching it, uh, knowing that you're not gonna laugh and uh, you're gonna yes. be bummed out. But um, it's an experience you should have. Yes, as a I agree. Cinema aficionado. Uh, one Willard movie that we did, I intentionally did not put up in the running was. Uh, one that we're saving for our 25th episode, which is Dynamite Chicken. Oh, boy. The title of the episode being just Dynamite Chicken. <laughs> yes, which is pure undiluted. I mean, that's just the heroine of, of <laughs> 60s filth <laughs> yes. comedy. That's, like, no, of it's, Ace it's, Truck and Company. Yeah, It's fentanyl. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. John yeah. Lennon, Yoko Ono in bed. Al Cap socking it to him. We're gonna yeah. shoot that movie in our veins, man. Don't even, don't even <laughs> open your eyes. Just stick it we're gonna nod off and throw it up. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. Not staying awake through that one. <laughs> Not gonna be able to say like these two. I watched them beginning to end, stayed awake. No way I get through Dynamite Chicken without falling asleep. <laughs> so um, theoretically, I know we say this a lot. Uh, we have a guest coming up. Um, yeah. <laughs> I talked to him the other night. He he called me the other night and um, great. He, he said he'd be up for doing a Friday at noon, New York time. I said, I think that works. So, yeah, great. Uh, I gave him a bunch of Fridays to choose from. We're going we're gonna to talk about one of my favorite movies, Sex Tet, with an absolutely A-plus guest. Um, but in, in the light that we don't get to do that next Friday, uh, I think let's do the Woodless Allens. Sure. Yeah, I got So that's uh, with David that. Steinberg, uh, Something Short of Paradise, and with Saul Rubinick, Soup for One. Great. And uh, I also, you know what? I'm going to say before I go, I started making a list of double features. I might put this on social media. Let let our fans choose some of our episodes for us. So, Yeah. And then and then let us say we're going to do that. And yeah. Then and then we won't do, do it. Them. Yeah. yeah. Piss them off. This is one that oh, I actually started doing it a little bit on my Instagram stories. Um, the episode titled Steely Dumb, which would be Steel from 1979 and Steel with Shaquille O'Neal from 1997. Ooh, yeah, jeez, that's good. <laughs> what the fuck, Chuck, which would be two weird Charles Bronson movies. Lola. <laughs> that's That'd be fun. Uh, all right, so we'll do What the Fuck, Chuck. Yeah, in a that's of weeks. fun. Yeah. I'd love that. Yeah, any yeah. Bronson, man. And then people are really nuts for us to do Matilda, so we're going to have to do that. Sure. The episode titled Cruelty to Animal Costumes. So we'll do Matilda and Chomps, both of which were AIP films. Great. Yeah. The, oh, those all sound good. Wow. What a good podcast we have, Mike. Truly. Just blows my mind. I, I <laughs> couldn't we talk for four hours? Let's just keep, let's just keep we going. We could. I yeah. love it. We could. Yes. Yeah. So, uh, I want to say also check out my podcast with Ben Reiser, uh, who makes this show so fantastically listenable. Yeah. 70 movies we saw in the seventies. 
Uh, we started out with uh, Conquest of the Planet of the Apes, and next week, I swear we're really going to do this one, everybody. Beware the Blob next oh, week. That'll be great. That'll be really good. That's good. And thank you, Ben. Thank you, Peter Landau, who says he gets very excited whenever we mention his name. <laughs> sure. So, and uh, with that, uh, I think you take us out this week. Crack or get off the pot. Thank you, All Mike. Right. Thanks, everybody. R.I.P. Fred. Yeah, forever.